In June of 2020, Evangel Presbytery adopted a document titled Statement on Sphere Authority, Worship, and COVID-19 Quarantines. The preface to the statement gives a good summary of the context at the time and of the purpose of the statement. So, from the preface, quote, In late 2019 and early 2020, a novel strain of coronavirus, designated COVID-19, spread rapidly across the world, soon becoming a pandemic that posed significant risks to the health and lives of many people. As a result, national, state, and local governments initiated quarantines and stay-at-home orders on an unprecedented scale. In submission to these decrees, and in a desire to protect the lives of their members and communities, many churches, including the churches of Evangel Presbytery, decided to cancel all in-person services and functions for an extended time. In the context of these governmental orders and the social and economic upheavals that followed, many discussions arose throughout the evangelical and reformed world about the appropriateness, extent, and even legitimacy of such orders, and more broadly, the nature of ecclesiastical and civil authority in God's economy. It is from this context that the following statement arose. We trust it will help provide wisdom and application in the days and years to come. Now in this episode and the next, we are going to read through the statement and provide commentary as we go. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Lucas Weeks, and the conversation today is with Max Carell and Tim Bailey. This is the Out of Our Minds podcast. Statement on Sphere Authority, Worship, and COVID-19 Quarantines. It begins with a quote from John Calvin. Whatever title then men may hold, they are to be listened to only on the condition that they do not lead us away from obeying God. So we must examine all their traditions by the rule of the word of God. We must obey princes and others who are in authority, but only in so far as they do not deny to God his rightful authority as the supreme king, father, and lord. Unquote. Now on into the statement. According to the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice, all authority is delegated by God. Thus the Christian is under obligation to God to honor and obey those God has placed over him. God's Word says, quote, Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, unquote. The sovereignty of God, therefore, is the essential source of all authority among men. These authorities appointed by God have jurisdiction in three spheres, exercising familial authority, civil authority, and ecclesiastical or church authority. Each sphere has some territory it claims sovereignty over, which is uncontested by the other spheres, some it acknowledges sharing with the other spheres, and some territory it claims sovereignty over which the other spheres can test or deny. Familial authorities, husbands, fathers, mothers, preside over the household, while the civil authorities, employers, counselors, military officers, police officers, public officials, governors, kings, presidents, preside over the city gate, and church authorities, pastors, elders, deacons, preside over the church. While it is a long-established principle of tradition, law, and wisdom that the authorities presiding over each of these spheres should, so far as possible, avoid intermeddling in the other spheres, one's, one man's duty is another man's intermeddling and another man's oppression. Thus, much of the history of the Western world is an account of conflicts over and between these spheres' authorities and the ways one or another of the three spheres has thrown its weight behind another sphere in its conflict with the third sphere. It's very spherical. 
<laughs> well, what I fear is that when you make statements about the importance of authority and that it comes from God, because we all hate authority, we, we just listen to this and it goes in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. And where we begin with sphere authority is not sphere. We where begin we with- begin is with authority. Mm. And what I notice is, and you know, we've given an indication here of the various the competition between the spheres. Right, you know, and that's right. very, very common in life. You have competing and, authorities. Yeah. What and we're having a lot of discussions with people who want us to, you know, say something about where religious freedom trumps public health. And right now people are fixated on it as much with masks as with vaccinations. It's really vaccinations now. And mm-hmm. and last night talking to Joseph on the phone, my son, he was saying, well, you know, where is your, where is the freedom of conscience? Where does the individual have freedom of conscience? And I was very resistant to beginning to describe to him where the person has freedom of conscience, not because Joseph and I disagree over authority, but I kept saying to Joseph, Joseph, if we just simply jump to freedom of conscience and don't get them to agree with foundational principles of authority, specifically the authority of the civil authority, mm. and people get so angry when we say that, but you can't have a good faith conversation with a rebel. Mm. You just can't do it. If somebody's a rebel and you're trying to have a reasonable discussion where scripture uh, protects him and his religious conscience from civil authority, mm-hmm. you're, you're starting on false premises, which is that he's going to be reasonable because he does believe that there are places that his conscience should die and that he should submit to civil authority. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that common commitment among conservative Christians today, especially in the United States. Let alone everyone else in the country. We don't have a common commitment that wives submit to their husbands, that children submit to their parents. We certainly don't have a common commitment that the people of the church submit to the officers of the church. Mm. We have the vast majority of pastors who are Reformed today, I would say, do not submit to any external ecclesiastical authority. They're not under any authority. They're just congregational. Mm. And they're happy to be independent because that's the spirit of our age. Mm. Each man does that which is right in his own eyes. Each church does that which is right in their own eyes. So, you know, we have a tendency to jump over these preliminary statements of the statement. Right. And... I don't even want to discuss the other things unless I can smell that the person has respect for authority and submits to authority. Mm. Because otherwise, it's a fool's errand. (laughs) You know, you're going to be dealing with rebellion, but it's going to cloak itself in the language of the lesser magistrate and sphere authority. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when we think about authorities and we think about, well, if we're going to submit to them, we have to agree with them or believe what they say is right. Mm. And I remember a time when, after I had moved to Bloomington, I received a notice, a threatening notice from the city that I couldn't have my own choice of trash collectors. (laughs) I'm sorry, Max, but this has come up before. 
Did I say this in a meeting? I don't know, but I, I've always found it kind of funny. <laughs> have I done I'm it in sorry. one of our broadcasts? I don't no, 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 you haven't. You, no, 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 you have I want to hear it. Come on, come on. I just find Everybody it. loves stories, and yeah. this is a good one. This is a good one, so go for it. Well, so anyway, so I got a threatening letter from the city after they annexed my neighborhood. I got a threatening letter saying that I could no longer choose my own trash pickup mm-hmm. service, but mm-hmm. I actually had to use the city's trash pickup service, which meant, of course, that they were sending people out to observe who was using another trash pickup service besides <laughs> the city's trash pickup service. And of course, uh, I can get trash pickup much less expensive from someone else. I had, I had, I had lots of, you know, there, you know, other people will lift bags larger than 40 pounds and, you know, and on, and they'll, they'll pick it up on nasty days yep, and, you yep, know, yep, yep. I had lots of good reason to uh, balk mm-hmm. in my mind against the civil authority. Yep. yep. Having the authority to tell me what trash pickups you were that I use. had to use. Mm-hmm. To the point that I actually wrote and asked for a exemption, an exemption. Was it a religious which, exemption? <laughs> which which was denied. <laughs> It was not a religious, well, in a sense it was, because what I said was, I generate a lot of trash because of the use of my house for gatherings and whatnot. Uh I can rationalize it till the cows come home. The fact of the matter is, they were saying no. Right. And so I was complaining one day to Tim about having to submit myself to this, you know, this thing. And, And Tim just looked at me and said, well, you know. It looks like this may just be a good opportunity for you to submit, to exercise your submission to authority. Nothing mm. like the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let's see, that was, uh, that was what uh, now. But, that was, yeah, but you haven't been honest about it. Uh-oh. The truth what, is. What didn't I say? What you didn't say is that you were furious. <laughs> well, well, and I'm laughing the, because. Of course, you know, it sounds silly to me because I don't care about the trash. I don't know. I, but, but we all have our things that we, yes, that yeah, we well, yeah. kick at. Yes. And so it was easy for me right. to tell yeah. him yeah. to submit about his trash. <laughs> <laughs> he's right. I was being furious, but me, uh-huh. me spouting bile now yeah. during this broadcast isn't going to help the process. <laughs> I don't well, think you've done that. You don't There's spout, a difference between dishonesty and... <laughs> you don't you know. spout bile. You were just burning. Uh, I was. Yeah. I was very angry. I was very angry. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, you know, immediately I was rebuked mm-hmm. by his words. Yeah. And it took a little while for them to sink in, and they they have not stopped sinking in mm. in what's now 15 years. Hmm of time has gone by since then. Right. But they continue to sink into the point where I'm about, I've moved and I'm in a house that's about to be annexed mm. again. Mm-hmm. And now my, have my whole, yeah, now my whole, <laughs> and, and of course, even thinking about what we've had to go through, through with COVID and our whole work in approaching mm. this question has been affected by that reality mm-hmm. because I've come face to face with, the knowledge of myself that says I don't want to submit to anybody Mm -hmm. unless Mm -hmm. I agree with what they do. And I think it's reasonable. Mm -hmm. And there is the bedrock of all of our positions about this issue concerning every authority we have to submit to. And I think about my wife and her coming to me and saying, well, you know, I don't want to submit to you because I don't agree. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, when I agree, then I'll submit to you. Or my mm-hmm. children coming to me and saying, I don't know. You know, it just affects everything. You think about the reality of it. Let's start from the top. According to the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice, all authority is delegated by God. And so what has to be said about that is when we obey the authority God has delegated to a father, we're obeying God. That doesn't mean that our father is God, but he does stand in the place of God because he's been delegated authority by God. And so we have to realize that when we have God's father authority visible in the relations of men here on earth, and I use men inclusive of men and women, uh, God named us Adam, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have to see God standing behind. And it could be the Roman emperor or the apostle Paul. It can be Barack, President Barack Obama. But we have to realize that authority is established by God and authority is never good. Maybe the only good authority there ever was was maybe King David for a while. King Solomon for a while, and Moses pretty much. (laughs) But we really have to recognize the fact Mm. that we can list all the tyrannies of the present authority, and I happen to have studied history, Mm -hmm. and you can do that for every single period in history. There's always conflict between the subjects and the superior. There's always conflicts between various superiors, Mm -hmm. between the church and the state, between the state and the family, the family and the state, you know, child protective services. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this stuff always has to start with God having ordained authority. Mm -hmm. We give ourselves away. In fact, if you just heard Tim talking, he said Barack, and then he said president. Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and people don't realize it, but all of us do this. We'll we will call the president we don't like by his last name, mm-hmm. or even some kind of more slanderous kind of nasty yeah. pseudonym. But when we have a president we do like, we'll call him President So and So, President Trump, right? And it's our our little private way of denying. Our little private way of saying, no, we're not going to submit. We're not going to acknowledge. We're not going to this. We're not going to this. And it's fascinating because Barack Obama was President Barack Obama. Joe Biden is President Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. They are presidents. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. I want to say one other thing I think is really helpful about your trash example, and that is- Are you saying that my example was trash? Yeah, it was yeah. a trashy example. <laughs> and you mentioned exercising your submission muscles. I mean, think of, I mean, it's, it sounds, again, I laugh about it, but it seems on the face of it to be such an insignificant thing, but that exercising of submission muscles has borne good fruit in your life. And I think that parents, church pastors, civil leaders, but I think of parents especially, don't realize the value of training their children to exercise those submission muscles. And respect muscles. Remember, in this church, this church was founded from a very painful opposition to church discipline of a previous church. And so from the very beginning, 
the parents were conscientious in teaching their children to refer to me as Pastor Bailey, and then I was 25 years younger. Mm-hmm. And I really sort of felt uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I really wanted them to call me Tim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had to discipline myself. When Barack Obama was, uh, was in the Senate, yeah. From Illinois, I knew that he was a proponent of late-term abortion, and mm-hmm. I despised him for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to be a Teddy Kennedy, and I'm personally opposed, but mm-hmm. I think that there should be freedom. Yeah. But President Obama, before he was President Obama, was the worst of the worst. You go mm-hmm. read his record as a state assemblyman, I think it was, in Illinois. It was mm-hmm. awful. And so then he became president. He was elected by the electorate. It was a lawful election. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was cheating then as there was cheating with President Trump's election. Mm-hmm. But he was elected. He was inaugurated. And then I realized how much I really, I'm sorry, but I hated him. Mm-hmm. Then I read him referring to the possibility of one of his daughters getting mm-hmm. pregnant and him saying, well, you know, basically, you know, if they have a mistake, then they should clean it up Mm -hmm. and he what he was saying was have an abortion yeah and here was this man who would parade next to his wife and was the hero of the entire universe because he was the first black president he wasn't really black i mean (laughs) you know depending on how you judge blackness yeah you know although he had lived on the south side of chicago you got a grant on that you know and i hated him for the abortion and for what he said about his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, no, 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 no. And I disciplined myself every single time I referred to him or wrote his name. I put president in front of it. Why though? What's the benefit of that? Because it disciplines my rebellion. Mm. It disciplines my disrespect. Every single time I wrote president, it rubbed it in on me. And that was what I needed. And that's why I'm concerned about people today being so, so vitriolic, so nasty, so supercilious in their discussion of public health officials and governments and, mm. and everything about COVID. It, it absolutely makes my skin crawl to hear Christians testifying in front of the whole world that we hate authority. Mm. Because I think, okay, if we hate the authority that God has delegated to men over us, yeah, okay, and I include women. And so when we get into COVID here, and we're going to go into spheres of authority, yeah, the first thing you hit is we don't respect authority because we don't fear God, and we don't realize that God has made his authority resident in sinful men. And so every time they sin, we're like, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. Right. I can see through you, you hypocrite, you, you tyrant, you this, that, and the other thing. If I hear that kind of expression from a Christian, let alone a Christian leader, let alone an officer of Christ's church, I'm done. I have nothing to talk to them about because I know the problem isn't the particularities of this law or that. I know the problem is that I have a rebel who is under the guise of Christian faith or freedom of religion, promoting rebellion. Mm. I listened to a guy recently give a sermon, and in the middle of the sermon, he stops and he says, I haven't paid taxes for 30 years. What more do I need to hear? Yeah, That's it. 
that's not godly. That's not biblical. Mm. You know, you see Jesus, you know, go open up the mouth of the fish. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to hammer at the very beginning. If you don't have an attitude of respect for authority, if you can't bring yourself to speak respectfully to authority, there is no appeal. If you don't say to your commanding officer permission to speak freely, your honor, no, 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 you won't have an appeal. Mm -hmm. So that's the first statement. Then immediately you get into not necessarily the rebellions of individuals against the authority over them. You get into the rebellions of the spheres against each other. Right. It's like the opposite of subsidiarity. As you go up, you see the spheres absolutely being opposed to each other's authority. Now, mm-hmm. I want to give an example of that okay. because we have to keep our eyes on the ball. We dealt with a family where it was a large homeschooling family and a very conservative reformed church, and they had incest throughout the family. Mm-hmm. And the parents came to us and asked us to help. Now, this wasn't in this church. When we got there, there was so much incest in that family throughout that family and the church was a substantial number of people and they all had lots of children Mm -hmm. we knew very early that we had to turn this situation into the civil authority because it was crimes Mm -hmm. i mean there was nothing we could do in that church that was more offensive to all the families of that church than to report it to the civil authority that church did not want any authority from the state coming into their homes. Mm -hmm. They rejected the sphere sovereignty of the state over the well-being of the children sexually. Mm. Now, I want everybody to think about that because that's deep in all of us. Mm -hmm. And we say, the state's tyranny. Are you gonna, and of course, that's what the people said to us. Are you serious? You're gonna turn this into the state. Well, yes, because the state bears the sword. And so when it comes to sexual laws against sexual abuse of children, Mm -hmm. the state bears the sword by the delegation of God. Mm -hmm. And the elders of the church are required to report these things. And people would say, well, you don't have to report it. If if it was confessed to you in a confessional situation, you have clergy privilege. Yep, yep. Uh, it wasn't confessed to us in a confessional. It was not a confession of sin. It A family blew up. And the next question was, what other families of the church have been corrupted in their children because of these children corrupting their children? Right. So we have to talk to the whole church so that all the parents can talk to their children. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful that we don't just start out by paying lip service to submission to authority and respect for authority. Yep. We have to really look at the places that we should submit to authority and respect authority and take our pulse there, okay? Mm -hmm. And if we don't have respect for authority and submission where it's difficult, I will not talk to you about COVID. Well, that's that's a good segue to to jump now into uh, the the statement goes into scripture passages about the different spheres of authority. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, the quotations from Scripture. Uh, What I just read a second ago, thus much of the history of the Western world is an account of conflicts over and between these spheres' authorities and the ways one or another of the three spheres has thrown its weight behind another sphere in its conflict with the third sphere. So the different spheres are fighting with each other, Mm -hmm. right? As to this Christian doctrine of sphere authority, as it pertains to civil authorities, Scripture says, quote, 
Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And of course, that's Romans 13, 1 through 8. And then in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as freemen, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondslaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And then the statement continues. As it well, per- wait, let's, okay, go ahead. let's stop here. And so God commands us to submit to authority. It's all established by him. Mm-hmm. Immediately, what people say is, well, no, the civil magistrate, the civil authority is only given the sword to punish evil and reward good. That's what it says. That's what it says. It's a minister to you for good. But what about when the civil authority is a minister to me for evil? Mm. And that's what's going on with COVID. It's like, are, are you serious? They've broken life down. They have put us all in prison in our own homes. Right. They have destroyed businesses. They have made a f- fool of the populace by their handling of statistics and public health measures. Are you kidding me? You're going to call that good. And so my response is, so in other words, what the Bible's really telling you here is every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities insofar as they see those authorities punishing the evil and doing and rewarding the good. Is that what you're saying? You're saying that insofar as you see the authorities comporting themselves to your judgments about right. what is good and evil, okay, mm-hmm. insofar as that, you are to submit to them. And I keep saying over and over to all the, all the agitators and the angry Christians, have you ever counseled a couple having marital conflict? <laughs> you look at the woman at some point and you say, you know, we've heard you, we understand your protests, we, we, we see your reasoning, we're sympathetic to you, we know that your husband is often a jerk, but here, can you submit? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is, is submission ever something inappropriate between you and your husband? And if that woman looks at you and that woman says, well, if, if what he's telling me to do is what God wants me to do, of course I submit to him. And then you say, well, that isn't really submission because are you really claiming that you know in every single decision that your husband would like to make, having anything to do with your household, the cars, your the children, children yeah. anything? Right. Are you telling me that you have a perfect calculus <laughs> that you know when he is rewarding 
good and punishing evil. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not, 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 well, no, I would say that, you know, she's mm-hmm. going to say, she's yeah, not going to yeah. be unreasonable at that point. And then you say to her, okay, how often are you sure that you are able to judge him? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's obvious he's wrong. How often? You know, well, I don't know how often. I don't have a ratio in my mind. And then what, what you say to such a woman or to children with their parents is, look, if you appeal over the head of your authority, which is what you're doing when you say that the civil authority has to do what God says is good and, mm-hmm. and punish what God says is evil, okay? Yep, if yep. you're going to appeal to the upper authority as a way of clamping down on your immediate authority, whether you're a woman with her husband, whether you're a child with her parents, or whether you are a citizen, or whether you're going to be a member of the church, you better use that very infrequently. Mm -hmm. Because the fact is, all authority comes from sinners. Mm -hmm. They are wrong. The Apostle Paul isn't saying here, only submit to them when they're right. He's making a categorical statement that they punish evil and reward good, okay? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you only submit to them when they punish evil and reward good. He doesn't say that. What Mm -hmm. he says is submit to them. Yeah. And so then people trot out, it's, we should obey God rather than man, as a way of escaping the plain meaning of this text. Mm -hmm. And you say, yes, there are occasions when we must say we obey God rather than man, Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you're trotting that exclusion out every time they tell you that you may not choose your own trash man, right? or every time your husband has a preference for vegetables, <laughs> you know, and she says, well, God didn't eat Brussels sprouts, <laughs> you know, Jesus never knew about Brussels. You know, in other words, rebels are rebels are rebels are rebels. And every man knows what a rebel is. And every woman knows what a rebel is. And the fact that you hide it or that you're sophisticated in how you carry it out in front of your children makes you no less a rebel. Mm. And your husband knows you're a rebel. And I think what we have done in the last year and a half is announced to our entire country that at its core, the central principle of Christians is not repentance and faith, but rebellion. Mm. We haven't been preaching the gospel unless the gospel is resist the tyrants, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, again, yeah, we have other messages. We're going to get to them in this statement. But don't you tell me that we only submit to authority when it punishes evil and rewards good, because that really means that you are the lesser magistrate who trumps the magistrate above you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And isn't that something? Somehow I end up being sudden, the authority. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. That's pretty great. Okay, so it, so the statement goes on, and it per, talks about the other spheres as well. As it pertains to familial authorities, Scripture says, quote, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, Ephesians 5.22. And then again in Exodus twenty twelve, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And as it pertains to church authorities, Scripture says, "I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven." Matthew sixteen nineteen, 
And then in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. All right, let me make a comment about these. So you've got two spheres here, right? You've got first familial and then second church. Now, across history, there have been a lot of debates over what exactly the spheres are. You can Mm -hmm. have disagreement. Luther would put in employers, households. For the sake of argument here, we've broken it into familial, ecclesiastical, and civil. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing to know is don't get all picayune about where you place what. The point is that certainly in the family, wives are subject to the husbands and children are subject to their father and mother. Okay? We Mm -hmm. all agree on that. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes to church authority, something we need to recognize here is that church authority is given the power of the keys. And across history, that's what Christians use to refer to church authority. Hmm. You can have a lot of debate over denominations, what the name of the offices should be, how many offices there are. But what whatever the name of the offices are in your hmm. church, it is incontrovertible that the leaders of a church, whatever you call them, are given the power of the keys. They are able to bind on earth what has been bound in heaven to loose on earth. In other words, church discipline is divine. It's divinely mandated. And when the pastors and elders of a church warn, rebuke, censure, and bar from the Lord's table, that is more serious than death. Mm. Because that has to do with the eternal soul. So you're saying, are you saying that elders of a church can tell someone that they're no longer a Christian or that they never were a Christian? Well, that's a complicated thing because what you really say when you excommunicate is there is not fruit. There is not testimony. By their fruit, you shall know them. Yeah, there's no Your evidence. fruit is denying the gospel. You may mm-hmm. not come to the table. Mm-hmm. But if you look in Galatians 5, it's very clear that Paul says cast him out because one of the reasons, right. not the primary one, but one of the reasons is for the salvation of his soul. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful in understanding that, yes, we are declaring things that have to do with eternity, yep. but that we are not able to ban people mm-hmm. from heaven, but rather act on the basis of the evidence, the fruit that we say. Mm-hmm. But my point is, Parents are given the rod, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay? That's corporal punishment. The civil authority you just read, he is given what? The sword. The sword. Mm-hmm. That's corporal punishment. One of the differences between sphere authority is that ecclesiastical church authority has only moral suasion. The closest we get to any kind of punishment that's physical is barring an individual from communion at the Lord's table. Hmm. And so I, I want to point that out because, you know, you've got all these Christians freaking out about tyranny, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about the most serious tyrannies at all. And one of those tyrannies is the fact that the civil magistrate now with the agreement of many ecclesiastical magistrates is denying that it has the sword. 
And so capital punishment is being condemned by Christians and the civil authorities alike. Mm-hmm. They are refusing to use capital punishment, and yet Scripture explicitly says they've been given the sword. The Pope has this moral authority because he says that capital punishment shouldn't be used. Mm-hmm. You know, And so I want to show that you can't separate the punishment of the authority from the exercise of authority, yet we've already gone along with that. Mm-hmm. We've already agreed that we're not going to spank our children, and we look down on spanking, even though the Bible clearly commands spanking, mm-hmm. all right, corporal punishment, and we've given up on the clear command of God to the civil authority that he bears the sword. Yeah. We've given up on that. But somehow Christians aren't yelling about tyranny that you know, capital punishment doesn't exist. And yet how tyrannical is it that there is no justice for the manslayer who does it intentionally with malice aforethought, Mm -hmm. that there is not swift justice, but he can milk the court system for the next two decades, that there isn't a connection between the offense and the punishment, Mm -hmm. that everybody feels morally superior to what God plainly instituted. Now, I'm not bringing this up so that everybody gets on their high horse about capital punishment. But if everybody's going to get on their high horse about particularities, picky uni particularities about COVID, and we've all swallowed the end of spanking, and we've all swallowed the end of capital punishment, it's like, oh, come on. Again, I say, you're just a rebel. You're just a rebel. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to bring up about exercising submission muscles is that if you don't call those under you to exercise their submission muscles, what you always get in the long term is much, much worse. And I, I've been thinking about that as I've been watching in the news around the country, various cities deal with crime or, you know, with all the Black Lives Matter. And I mean, even pagans recognize, who was it? Charles Barkley on the news or who are black people supposed to call? The Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> was it was it him who said that? I didn't see. I that. think it was Charles Barkley or somebody like Magic John. I don't know who it was. Wouldn't be Magic. It was. I think it was Charles Barkley. It would be Barkley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's right. If you if you allow your children to be out of control in your home, you will pay a high price for that. It's very interesting. Over the years, there have been a lot written about churches that abuse, mm. and so Ron Enroth was the guy that made a lot of money off that with a book, Churches That Abuse, everybody quoted it. And one of the examples he used was a church league softball team where the pastor got angry at the the way some of the players were playing. Mm. And he had a temper tantrum and said, the next game, all of you are going to play left-handed or right hand, left-handed right. people would play right-handed. And so Ron Enroth trots that out as how awful churches are today and how many churches abuse. And it's like, Seriously, we're going to use that as an example? I mean, honestly, some pastor has a temper tantrum and he can get the men of his church to play with the opposite hand because he's angry? I mean, it's completely ludicrous, right? The real abuse of authority today is not simply constraints that we don't want. The real abuse of authority today is the authority uh, conniving at terrible evil and refusing to bring it to an end. Hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So you really want to keep your eye on the ball of abusive authority. Far and away, the most abusive authority in the church today is pastors who refuse to blow the trumpet Mm -hmm. when God has announced the judgment. Mm -hmm. That 
dwarfs all other abuses of authority. It doesn't say those other abuses aren't horrible. But here's my point. When we look at homes and when we look at the church and when we look at the state, what is the real tyranny? The real tyranny is the state refuses to protect the lives of its citizens. Mm -hmm. now, now stop, think about that. And immediately everybody goes, oh, so you believe in COVID. You know, that's, that is people are, are in a frenzy over COVID. Yep. All right. And so they're going to say that they think that I must be making a pro-COVID statement since I say that the real abuse of authority today is a refusal to protect those under our authority. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then I bring up civil authority. They refuse to protect them. Everybody says, oh, COVID. I right. say, no, let's go back to the year before Roe v. Wade, 1972, when mm -hmm. there were 750,000 babies killed in their mother's womb. Yeah. Before Roe v. Wade. Right. So we as a nation had decided that we were not going to protect unborn children before Roe v. Wade. And all Roe v. Wade did was institutionalize what was going on around the country anyhow. Right. Then with Roe v. Wade, ever since then, just surgical abortions have been somewhere between 1.2 and 1.6 million per year. You know, we're up well above 50 million of just surgical abortion. That's just in our country. And yet we're just in a frenzy over COVID. Mm. We're just in a frenzy over COVID. But somehow we've swallowed 50 to 100 million surgical abortions on our own streets, in the buildings that are owned by friends and neighbors of ours who rent them to Planned Parenthood. All right. And those abortions are in our churches. Yeah. They're in our churches. And I know because I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so where we decide we're going to recognize and name something abuse of authority and where we're not, I look at it as being just hypocrisy. Yeah. And so then you go into the home and you look at parents who are completely abdicators of their authority over their children. You just got done saying this. The consequences of not disciplining your children as they grow up are horrible. Mm -hmm. And you just look at situations where parents won't discipline their children and where they connive at their sin. There are real lives at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Proverbs makes it clear that the fool will die. He will die. It's interesting that even what the scripture you just read about children submitting to their parents, it says that they will have a long life. That's yeah. what the fifth commandment says. It's yeah. the first one with promise. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the church, mm -hmm. do we believe that we're protecting the souls of the sheep? They keep watch over your soul as men who must give an account. So the leaders of the church will give an account to God. We have to enter the statement realizing that as always, sins of omission and sins of commission mm -hmm. do not have an equal weight in our perceptions. Right. We're always willing to not recognize sins of omission. Mm -hmm. We don't feel the weight of them. Especially but, if they don't bug us in any way. Yeah, but sins of commission. Well, what this ends up doing in the Western world is it destroys initiative. Mm -hmm. It completely destroys initiative because... Anybody in any position of authority who tries to protect those under his care will be slammed down mm -hmm. as being an abuser, as being on a power trip, as on and on and on and on. And I just want to say right at the beginning of where we're headed, 
far and away the worst abuse of authority in the home, in the church, and in the state today is a refusal of those in authority to protect those under their care. Mm. So continuing on with the statement, uh, this is now page three at the top. It says, some believe, speak, and act as if the boundaries between these spheres are easily seen and maintained such that, for instance, the exercise of authority inside the home is none of the business of civil or church authorities. The exercise of the authority in the civil realm is none of the business of church or familial authorities, and the exercise of authority in the church is none of the business of civil or familial authorities. Not true. For instance, fathers and mothers are accountable principally to civil, but also to church authorities for violence committed within their home. Pastors and elders are accountable both to familial and civil authorities for sexual sin and crimes committed within their church house or during church activities. Civil authorities are accountable both to familial and church authorities for failing to protect worship from suppression through violence or police action. There are endless such examples that could be listed, but the point to be acknowledged is that, whether that authority recognizes it or not, each sphere is accountable to the other two spheres for its exercise of authority when that exercise is inimical to the well-being and proper function of one or both of the other spheres. So there's a kind of uh, accountability that the spheres have toward each other. And I noticed, Tim, in this that there's not a footnote to this. Where do we get this idea? Why do we assume or why does this statement? I'm just not sure where it comes from exactly. What specifically? Well, that the that the spheres are accountable to each other, and that there's, you could make a case, perhaps that, um, that one of the spheres is above the others. Especially during COVID, people are saying that the familial authority does. Okay, let's talk about the issue of consent of the governed. Okay. okay? Yeah. If you read history, you'll see that at various times, uh, the subjects of a king will rise up against the king. It may have to do with taxes. It may have to do with wars. It may have to do with food. It may have to do with religion. But kings will lose the consent of the governed. Yeah. And sometimes that results in a war. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that results in the adoption of the Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it results in the writing of the Declaration of Independence. Sometimes now, it results in the Soviet Union. Yes, yes. Now switch over to the church. It's a foundational principle of Presbyterian polity that no man is to be ordained as a shepherd of God's sheep unless a particular flock calls him. Mm. He has to have the consent of the governed to assume office. Hmm. Notice Moses picking elders from the people and telling the people to pick them, and then Moses endorses them. We go into this in Elders Reform, the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then go to the family. Uh, Will you have this man to be your lawful wedded Mm -hmm. husband? That's the declaration of intent. Mm -hmm. And it's done publicly so that a shotgun wedding cannot be affected. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's to protect against coercion. 
in the forming of a marriage because all across history, it has been constant that parents have not allowed weddings to take place or have forced Forced weddings to take place because of the parents' aspirations rather than because of their children's free decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to make that statement that we may not think about it intelligently. It may just be sort of a subterranean feeling we have. But we all know that the authority and leadership of an authority depends upon the will of his people. Mm -hmm. And this is how God has set it up. It's not just rebellion, Mm -hmm. all right? And really, the consent of the governed is much more powerful in its possession or its absence when those governed normally respect their superior. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the things I remember Pastor Carell, Max, telling me many years ago when he first came here, he was describing to me the power of a submissive wife over her husband. Mm, She consents to being led. And because of that, she has an unbelievable power over his decisions and leadership and authority. Hmm. And so we have to be- But doesn't that require a benevolent husband, though? No, it doesn't require a benevolent husband. I think actually it connects to civil authorities in in a similar way because what you see with civil authorities, even a husband who's not benevolent, I think has has the ability to recognize common grace. And civil authorities have the ability to recognize common grace. They understand if people under their authority are behaving in a way that needs to be stopped or are behaving in a way that needs to be commended. And they're going to be favorably disposed by those who behave in commendable ways, and they're going to be opposing people who are behaving in ways that are not commendable. Generally speaking, that's true. And a husband, looking at a wife, now what was your question? Doesn't well, that require benevolent authority? Yeah, yeah. and I'd say, I would say even, a, even an unbelieving and not necessarily benevolent husband can recognize, mm-hmm. which is not something you wish for for a wife. You, you, know? Know, you know, Lucas, I'm just going to come back, and people are just going to think I'm a hard you-know-what. <laughs> and I get so tired because I have the most tender relationship with you as a son-in-law and with your wife and with mm-hmm. your children. That's true. But, I mean, what? A husband is only supposed to love his wife if she's benevolent towards his authority? In other words, flip it upside down, and all of a sudden you can see how ridiculous it is what we think, that mm. you know, no wife has any obligation to submit to a man who isn't benevolent. And so then, instead of her just making a willy-nilly decisions about every decision he makes— no, but you said that it'll it'll have an impact on... Yes, it will have an impact. And that impact it will have on him mm-hmm. is designed by God. God designs authorities and subordinates to love each other and, and to have a relationship that's affectionate and conscientious and productive, you know, if it's mm-hmm. an employer-employee. Mm-hmm. And so we're not supposed to live in a dog-eat-dog world. This is not Lord of the Flies just because we're talking about authority, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> but well, huh. if we begin to make a decision that we have to be the decider as to whether or not an authority should have authority at every particularity mm-hmm. where he makes a decision, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. then we're not under authority. 
we're the authority. Yeah. Second, if we make a decision that, well, okay, I won't make a decision about every single decision he makes, but I certainly am going to make a decision cosmically about whether he's benevolent authority or not. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just taking authority away by another manner. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Yeah. And if we can do that as wives with our husbands, then our husbands can do the same. They have no obligation to love a wife if she is not a benevolent submitter. Mm -hmm. In other words, if her basic orientation is rebellion, then why should he love her? Mm -hmm. If his basic orientation is control, why should she submit? In other words, it's a dog-eat-dog world. When we don't respect authority, when authority doesn't love those that it cares for. And so what? We're going to justify our rebellion. We're going to justify our lovelessness as husbands by talking about the sin of the other side. Well, it's really striking because you keep bringing up dog-eat-dog world. And the the truth is that if you you buy into what I was suggesting, you you do end up in a dog-eat-dog. That's where you go. But it requires – it's like it requires faith. I mean – Well, and but you have a biblical command. From Mm -hmm. Peter. In the same way, you Mm -hmm. wives Mm – be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of the husbands are disobedient to the word, mm-hmm. i.e. not benevolent, yeah, they may be won without a word by your behavior as by the behavior of their wives. Mm. And it's like, now, listen, what everybody's going to say at this point is, oh, you're one of those churches that if a man hits his wife, you tell her to grin and bear it. And that's damnable lie. Mm-hmm. We do not do that. We have suffered for our protection of the little ones in the church, of women, of boys abused by their mothers, mm-hmm. of students abused by their pastors, their teachers. Okay. It is not true that we are going to use this as a way, but look what happens there is you have an institution of the church who sees the abuse in the home and then protects the children. This is sphere intermeddling that the mother's going to hate if she's the one being called to task for abuse of her children. You understand this. You know, everybody is trying to cover for, for rebellion today. Yeah. And so everybody's punishing initiative on the part of authorities Mm -hmm. and justifying it by saying, well, you know, it's not generally benevolent, his authority, or the parents are this, that, and the other thing. Think of what school teachers think of parents, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or child protective services or judges or ad litems in a court divorce case. Mm -hmm. What we have to do is start with those authorities that God has ordained and stop trying to compensate for the breakdown of those authorities. Mm -hmm. The courts cannot be fathers and mothers. The ad litem can't be a father or a mother. Mm -hmm. The attorneys can't be fathers and mothers. A mother cannot be a father. A pastor (laughs) can't be a household's father or a woman's wife. Mm -hmm. That's called transference and it's adultery, okay? We have to go back and seek to restore the first principles of jurisdiction, sphere sovereignty, but not sphere sovereignty, but sphere accountability. Mm. Can we please talk about sphere accountability? That home, and this is 
this is this blows the mind of conservative Christians when we say this. That home, by virtue of putting itself under the authority of Christ's church, is accountable to the elders of the church for their treatment and training of their children, okay? Mm-hmm. That husband who is a member of a church is accountable to his elders for the abuse of his wife, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Okay? And if the church has a youth pastor who molests some of the youth group that's under his care, that youth pastor is accountable to the father of that child. Mm-hmm. As you well see as the this as well as the state. Yeah, but yeah. I'm trying to show, you know, most of us are going to feel the intimacy of the church and the family mm-hmm. and those two mm-hmm. spheres of authority. But we have to recognize I went to a woman in our church recently, and it was dicey with her husband, and we had decades of working with them. And they're wonderful people, but it got dicey. I went to that woman at the key moment, and I said to her, remember, the church comes before the family. Now, I know a lot of people are going to have a fit about me saying that, and they're going to think we're running a cult. No. What I was saying to her is, if your husband choose to reject the elders at this point Mm -hmm. and to not submit to their authority, you may not use his authority over you to justify you joining him in his sin. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. That, let's keep going, because we're now going to be talking about in the statement the boundaries of each sphere. So continuing on in the statement, again, we are on uh, still on page three, uh, the bottom right before the footnotes begin. And I should say, I'm leaving out all the footnotes, which I'm not going to read on the program, but please take a look at the statement. It's listed in the documents section of Evangel Presbytery's website, uh, evangelpresbytery.com. Take a look at it. Read the footnotes. They're, they're interesting and helpful as well. Continuing on now with the statement, it says, Even so, there are boundaries which limit the authority of each sphere. God has limited the church to enforcing her authority through the administration of sacraments, moral suasion, and excommunication, whereas he has granted the civil authority the sword to enforce its authority. God has denied familial authority the administration of the sacraments and the sword in the enforcement of its authority, but granted fathers and mothers corporal punishment of children, as well as instruction and moral suasion. Exercising the power of the sword, the civil authority has authority to protect life through quarantine. That last sentence is the place where everything kind of blows up as somebody reads the statement. In my mind, they're suddenly saying, wait a minute, how did you jump to that conclusion? Yeah. Because <laughs> you've been talking about capital punishment, you've been talking about this and that, but suddenly you're, you're, you're suddenly talking about quarantines. Yeah. And how did you jump there? So are you going to answer the question? Well, we have said this over and over in posts on Warhorn Media and are out of our minds. Brian Bailey, um, former budget director for Governor Mike Pence, a long history of working in a major firm up in India and then working in state government. Brian has looked up just in the state of Indiana. And up in uh, Muncie, they had, if I remember correctly, a smallpox uh, epidemic. And half the community submitted to getting a vaccination And there's no way that would have happened a century ago without the complicity and and, and the agreement, not just complicity, but the agreement of the church, Mm. okay? Mm -hmm. And so that's vaccinations, and and we're going to get into that later. I don't want to get off 
on vaccinations at this point because it certainly is a tougher issue to think through yeah. than masks and quarantine, okay? But he has looked at the history of handling plagues. Mm. And it's very interesting. Abraham Kuyper is a reformed theologian who was um, the prime minister of the Netherlands between 1901 and 1905. He was Calvinist, and he was uh, independent in his denominational affiliation, not the state church. And Abraham Kuyper has written a lot of helpful things about the interface between the different spheres of authority, okay? Mm -hmm. Lectures on Calvinism. And I want to read one short statement from him. He says, and, 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 and this is in some essays in a book on uh, common grace and specifically having to do with vaccination. Okay, so he's talking about vaccination. And remember, he was prime minister. So this is a man who was both a church father and a city father, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. A civil magistrate. Ecclesiastical managers, civil magistrate. He says, we deliberately insert a comment here about quarantining people suffering from contagious diseases. God clearly prescribes the quarantine of lepers in his word. On this basis, Calvin decreed the isolation of those suffering from the plague in Geneva. Now listen, end of argument. Hmm. God commanded it. And you can't just say, well, that was a theonomy. No, it's just basic good governance. That quarantines are permitted. Are required. Required in certain instances. Because you yeah. know that you're dealing with a contagious disease. And is it not the government's job to protect life? But I mean, It's not the end of the argument, though, because the whole question with COVID is the, the degree of seriousness of the disease, right? It's like everybody is impatient today. <laughs> and wants to nitpick based on COVID. And how can you have a discussion with people who sh refuse to show respect for authority, who won't submit to authority, who are, you know, shooting their peace shooters over the walls of the governors, and then want me to not simply say quarantines are biblical, mm -hmm. but immediately jump to COVID? No, 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 no. First, are quarantines biblical? Okay. No, seriously. No. Are quarantines biblical? No. Are they biblical? Yes. The, the reason I say full stop here is you not only have Abraham Kuyper, you also have him saying the Old Testament, and then you have him say, and of course, Calvin realized, and Calvin decreed the isolation of those suffering the plague in Geneva. I mean, come on. How far do we have to go in the mania of nitpicking COVID? quarantines are biblical, they're right, and reform people have always been sympathetic to protecting life by the use of quarantines. Thanks very much for listening. The second half of this conversation is coming at you next week, so stick with us. My name is Lucas Weeks, and our conversation today was with Tim Bailey and Max Carell. We serve as pastors at Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. For more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash out of our minds. Bye for now. <laughs>